Amen, amen. Uh, I know everybody's got their favorite songs, but that's one of mine. Um, hey, man, I am so excited to be able to open up God's Word with you guys again this morning. Again, our, open up to Acts chapter 3 is where we're going to be here in just a little bit. But I want to say, even before we dive into anything, um, I love, some of y'all are going to judge me for this, but I love Taco Bell. I love Taco Bell. Uh, I don't know if y'all know the Cheesy Gordita Crunch. If you don't like Taco Bell, at least try the Cheesy Gordita Crunch before you bail on it. Before you say, ah, cheap tacos, go try the Cheesy Gordita Crunch. Then come talk, then you can reel it out, okay? But the, I always say this, the only thing that can make Taco Bell better, the only thing that can make my experience better, is if they put a friendly face at the door, wouldn't it? Like somebody just to say, hey, welcome to Taco Bell. Come on in, man. Like, hey, you got you know what you want? Like, just to have a conversation with me. I feel like that would improve the experience. I say all that to say, we're trying to be better than Taco Bell here. Amen? That's our that's our motto, trying to be better than Taco Bell. No, that's why we put a friendly face at the door. We want people, we, when you come in, we know you've had a rough day. We could just leave the door empty and you could let yourself in like you do at Taco Bell. But we want to put somebody at the front door just to be friendly, to wave at you. to, to And Pat tried his best this morning. It's the best smile he's got. But uh, the Vinings were serving this morning. But I wanted to let you know, um, man, that's a great ministry to begin. And if you, some of you are like, man, I wish I could find a place to serve. I wish I could do something. Like the greeter ministry is a great place to begin serving, and it lets you, it gets you get to see everybody's faces, like, and they have to speak to you or be awkward, right? Like, so it gets you to know people, and it's really really cool. And so, if you Shannon Hatia, he was he's in our first service usually, but Shannon uh, he is our uh, he's our team lead over that greeter ministry. If you would like to get involved in that ministry, um, the QR code you can scan that, go to the find a place to serve link there, and but or you can just go to Next Steps and sign up there today. Um, we had at least one guy. I know, I know Brandon Wilson signed up to be a part of a greeter team this morning. Uh, I don't know if anybody else did, but like, that's what I want to tell you because I know some of you that may hit a chord with. And so please, uh, consider being a part of that ministry. Um, and I did call Brandon out for the second week in a row now. Um, but this week and next, we're going to discuss this term. We're doing a series called the, the local church. Okay. And the local church is a, we talk about what it means to be the church, a church, a local church. Um, and I use that term a whole lot, but for whatever reason, the last couple of weeks, that term just hit me different. Like, what does it look like for Lindsay Lane East to be a local church in Harvest, Alabama? And so we're going to take just two weeks, uh, two weeks just to look at what it does mean this week. We're going to talk about our localness this week. Next week, we're going to talk about what it doesn't mean. Okay. We're going to talk about what it means to to be more than a local church. But we're going to start with this, of, of looking at our localness, okay? But before I, so we've got a lot I want to talk about because I also, as part of this message, want to let you know about all that God has done and all that God has used us to do in the last 12 months in our community. And so we're going to talk about what it means to be a local church, but I want to jump to tell you about all those things because if I save them for the end, I'm going to be much more tired than I am now. So I want to give you these while I'm pumped. Okay, so the, the probably the, the most furthest thing away was our Christmas house. Last December, and we're going to do it again this year in a different flavor. Can't wait to tell you about all that. But last year, we did a Christmas house. We've done it for, for several years now. Um, I didn't write down the number. Do you all know the number of kids or families? Uh, ballpark. Was it 80? Yep. 80 would be a safe number of families, y'all. Families with multiple kids, right? 
Yeah, okay. And it's a bunch of kids, okay? If I had asked Trey and Morgan to have that number, they would have had it prepared. Um, but we had 80 families that we ministered to, that we bought gifts for, that we got to come in and have a conversation with. 80 families last Christmas. Um, then, like, we did this weird thing at Easter where we didn't have church here. We had it at Creekside, which was a... A lot of a weird move in a lot of ways, but we wanted to have it there because it was in our community, and we knew there was no way we could fit everybody in here. Praise God, we were right about that, because three over 350 people showed up for our Easter service, one of the, if not the largest, it's a little sketchy, but probably the largest Easter service we've ever had in the history of our church, and so really incredible, crazy things, um, and that that was something. And but as a part of that, we went across the street. And y'all knocked, we all knocked on every door in a neighborhood with like 300 homes. And some of y'all are weird looking like pad at the door and you, the people didn't come to the door. So you just stood there on the porch and that you looked scary and you were, and they didn't come to the door cause I have a doorbell thing. But some of us who look nicer, we actually got to have conversations with people on the porches. Um, that's a burn to some of y'all. Uh, it was a joke. You're supposed to laugh. It, because you didn't laugh, it's awkward. But we invited 300 people. We hung door hangers and we had conversations with people to come to our Easter service. Again, so many of you took part in that. We did one of the most unthinkable things as a church. We worked concession stand. And some of you guys that are parents of like ball players, you know that like parents lie to get out of working concession stand. Like, I've got COVID. We'll shut down for a week. Like, we'll keep our family at home just so we don't have to work concession stand. And uh, But we voluntarily went, and we worked at a concession stand at a volleyball game. We were a concession stand at a football game. And it was incredible. God gave us really cool conversations with people in our Lindsay Lane East Church, serving them. Um, we got to feed three different schools. We got to feed their whole staff, their whole faculty. We got to feed them this year. Um, at Creekside, we fed 120 people hibachi. We showed up with four grills. We showed up with uh, tents, a food truck that we could serve out of, and we cooked. And, man, it was hot. It was in May. Maybe we should look at doing that a different time of year. Um, but we served them faithfully, that, and it was awesome. We fed 120 people uh, fried rice, uh, chicken, and uh, vegetables. It was awesome. We went to House of Harvest, not House of Harvest, we went to Harvest Elementary um, on April 1st, which is what day? April Fool's Day. And so we showed up with Chick-fil-A boxes, every teacher's favorite lunch. And instead of giving them the Chick-fil-A in the boxes that they come in, we put them in Happy Meal boxes just to be fun. And uh, most of the teachers were mad at us when we came in. But then after they opened it up, they were happy. April Fool's. All right. And so, but again, all of these things were doing, like it wasn't me and Kenny. You see that? Like it was people from this church. Some of these events, 20, 25 people serving it's incredible. Then um, those are our two, Creekside and Harvest are our two like schools that we minister to. They're what we call our local missions partners, two of them. However, for whatever reason, God's given us favor at other schools. And we're going to talk about some of that a little bit later too. But God's given us favor at Ardmore High School. We got six teachers from the, from the high school and the elementary school there in Ardmore that come to church here. And so they reached out and were like, hey, can we feed our teachers too? <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And so we did actually drop off food there. That was just me and Kenny, but the, the teachers from this church served that to their faculty, to their friends and their coworkers. And so, uh, three, t- but again, and all of that's being funded because you're faithful to give, right? Um, we fed 50 firefighters last Tuesday, which was so much fun. When you show up at firefighter, you say you're feeding three different teams, three different stations. Like they were totally expecting frozen burgers and red weenies. And instead they got 
our hibachi service, um, and it was awesome. We gave them fried rice chicken and, and fresh vegetables cooked on Blackstones, and it was awesome, and they were blown away. Um, VBS, this is the second year in a row that we've set record VBS numbers. Right, like that's outreach. That's things that we're doing for our community. Um, my notes are wild. Oh, uh, we also helped with open house. Creekside and Harvest know that our yes is on the table. Anytime they need us, um, they call us, and we serve open house. We some of y'all that were there, y'all can testify to this. We serve somewhere between six hundred cups of popcorn and twelve thousand cups of popcorn. It's it's it got out of hand quickly uh, to know exactly the number. <laughs> Closer to 12,000 probably on the popcorn that night. But it was really incredible. And again, some of you were serving that night. It was awesome. Uh, Creekside also called us about a family game night. And Gene and David Brown's uh, small group were able to provide us with drinks. And we went and bought cookies. And we dropped that wasn't something we could go serve at. But we did get to drop that off again, paid for, because of your faithfulness to give so that we can do things like this. And, y'all, that's just like what I could remember. <laughs> there were other things that we've been able to do this year that I'm sure are just I'm blanking on. Like, this is what God's called us to do. And so today, like, or here's what I want to share with you. To the best of my ability, the number of interactions that we've had this year intentionally in our community, I estimate, based on the things I just told you, 3,500 people that we engaged in conversation in 2022 so far this year. That doesn't even, I'm not even including Christmas House because that's going to be in our next number because we're doing it in December. 3,500 people that you, we engaged in conversation with. That's cool, y'all. Like, you, we put our attendance and our small group numbers at the bottom, like, no, oh, whatever. Okay, like, that's, those are good numbers. We track those. But, like, that's a big number, and that's one that I am so proud of. 236 last Sunday in worship, really cool. 3,500 people we engaged in conversations last year. I don't care about the attendance anymore, right? That's a huge number. One of the most number, one of the numbers I'm most proud of as your pastor. We're going to keep doing that. We're going to continue to serve our community. Now, here's what I want to do for the rest of our time together today and a little bit of extra time that I'm going to need from you because we've got a lot to cover is this. Why do we do all that? Why is, is it just an idea? Is it just something that we do or is it something biblical? And I want to show you today that we're not just creative. We're not just fun. We're not just making this stuff up. Like what we're doing is what God has called us to do from his word. And so I want to, that's why we're going to be in Acts chapter three. We're going to look at our localness today. All right. So I'm going to read verses one through 10 and then uh, I'll pray and then we'll come back and kind of walk through this. So Acts three, one. Now, Peter and John were going to the temple for the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold. What I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized he was the guy who used to sit at the beg, sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. Let's pray together. 
God, I pray that you would be with us today as we study through this. Um, God, not to pat ourselves on the back for being obedient to what you've called us to, but God, to put before all of us the reminder of why we do what we do. And God, that we would be not content with any numbers I've mentioned today because, God, there's still people out there who need to know you. There's still people out there, God, that in our community um, who need to know who you are. And so, God, help us as a, as a church uh, to, to, to find them, God, through the leading of your spirit. God, to do the right things, God, that put those people around us so that we can engage them. Uh, God, lead us, as we as we believe you've done this year, God, continue to lead us to choose the right events to be involved in and the right things to do so that we can impact your kingdom for the glory of you. Um, God, teach us to know who you are today through the text and know your character and your nature, and God, help us. Uh, God, just be with us today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, to find our purpose and mission as a local church, we could have looked in any number, probably tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of books. Uh, pastors, anytime um, a church does well, a pastor feels like he's got to write a book about it and tell their story about how they grew a church, right? <laughs> so there's a bunch of books that have been written over the last 500 years about growing a church and being focused on mission and all those things. But instead of doing that, those are good books, that's good stuff. I thought we'd just look at one that was a little bit more... Uh, Christ-centered, a little bit, a little bit more Holy Spirit-led. So we're going to look not at a really cool church. I mean, there's churches that that started in the living room now having thousands of people in attendance. Really cool stories. But I wanted to look at the original local church. Like we're going to ask ourselves, what does it mean to be a local church? So let's look at the original one um, that's happened in the earliest chapters of Acts. And so as we look at the localness of this body of believers, what we're going to find is that. Much of its success, much of its success and growth in the early days came from its localness. Okay, God blesses them numerically not because of dynamic preaching or a cool social media account, but because they are a local church that embraces its community. And so let's. So I'm going to give you like a statement today that essentially is going to is in one sense, going to drive local missions and has driven local missions. Just trying to put into words for this message anyway, what I see in the text and what I think it means for our our local outreach. So here's number one. Uh, so this is the first part. It's going to be a three-part deal. So the last slide is going to have a lot of words on it. But here we go. Point number one, intentionally in the community. If we're going to be a local church, we're going to have to be intentionally in the community. And I know what you're thinking. Well, Heath, that's pretty easy because we have a building, Right? But I'll ask you this, how many churches are in communities? Well, in one sense, all of them are, right? They all got a, most of them have a building, they have some sort of thing. But are the, are all churches actually truly reaching their community? See, what I want us to see today is that it's not about having a building in a community, it's about having a presence in a community. See, that's the kicker. Uh, Tom Rainer, if you've read, any, if you've read like Christian books or you've, ever went to a Lifeway before they shut them all down. Um, you've seen a Tom Rainer book, I promise. Uh, he was actually the president of Lifeway for a while. and uh, But Tom Rainer wrote, um, he, he found out he could write small books and sell a lot more instead of making big books. Amen? Oh, praise the Lord for small books. And uh, one of his books that he wrote was called Autopsy of a Deceased Church. And see, one of the things that's hard to do, it's hard to have conversations with dying churches. Because you know how many churches will admit they're dying? Not many. 
They don't know they're dying till they're dead. And so what Tom Rainer did is he started doing a study about all these churches that had to shut their doors and started asking questions of their leadership going, so what happened? Tell me about this and that. And what he found is, is what's put in the book of here's what, here's how you can, it's an autopsy, right? It's, 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 this is how churches die. And chapter four of that book shows that part of that disease that led to their death was that they no longer got in their community. Instead, they only asked their community to come to them. Now, let's look. I know I told you I'm not going to use other people modern, and then I just did. But anyway, let's look at, see what Peter and John are doing here. See which it was for them. Now, Peter and John were going up this verse one, going up to the temple for the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, here's what's interesting. Um, at this point, uh, the church is pretty much centered in Jerusalem. So at the end of Jesus' life, where did he lead his disciples to go? To Jerusalem. And they were going there for the, the, the festival of Passover. So they were going along with tons, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of other Jews who were all coming together in Jerusalem. And it's in Jerusalem, outside of Jerusalem, that Jesus dies. He lays down his life, he dies, and he's resurrected. And guess where the disciples spend most of the next few years? In Jerusalem. And so... Peter and John are here in Jerusalem. That's where the church is growing. That's where a lot of the events that we, that we see at Pentecost and the things that are happening here, that's where they are at this moment. And so every day in Jerusalem, everybody would find themselves, oftentimes at two different times during the day, at a particular location. Peter and John went. Where was it? The temple, not the Starbucks. The temple. They would go to the temple. And that what they would do while they were going there was that they would offer two small sacrifices. The priests would offer two small sacrifices, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, as we see there, about three. And the Jews would, who would come from the area were expected to attend these services at the temple if they could. So this place would have been packed. Now listen, here's what you need to know. This was the community for Peter and John. Right? Like this was the community. Like when you ask, when you ask yourself, where have you, some of you guys, you know, you drive in, maybe not, maybe your address isn't harvest, but like, where do people gather in your town? Where do people gather here? So that's what Peter and John, they found themselves in the most crowded place. There was no, like for in Jerusalem, there would have been no more attended event that day than the sacrifice services. And that's exactly where Peter and John go in the community. Listen, to be where people are. You see, to be where people are. Now, if you ask yourself a question, Keith, man, I feel like, so I've been, I've heard people make the comment, man, why do y'all help schools so much? They got government funding. Like, that's from Christian people full of the Spirit, y'all. You know why we do stuff at, at schools? Because that's where the people are. Right, like if we were in an inner city and there was a huge park right next, like in our community somewhere, that's where we go. Like if there were just tons of kids and families walking their dogs everywhere, like we would go hang out there and tell them about Jesus. If we had a mall, the Harvest Strip Mall, where thousands of people came to shop at Casternot and J.C. Penney. Casternot? You know it's a flashback, right? Okay, anyway. Um, so that's the mall I grew up in. All right, so we, but we, if we had a mall here, maybe that's where we would go because that's where the people are. And what we've what we found at Lindsay Lane uh, across all three of our campuses that in the rural areas where we find ourselves, there is no larger crowd 
than the ones that gather in our schools for school events. It's just what we found. And so like, that's where we go (laughs) because that's where the people are. We go there and, and we know we can do events on our campus that maybe get, you know, a hundred people from our community to come, or we can go where there will be hundreds or a thousand people because the school's already doing it and we can be involved in that. This is, this is what we found. And so we go into the community where the people are. That's what we do. That's why we have these partnerships. But the question stands is I didn't say in the community, right? Do you remember number one? Intentionally in the community. What's the difference? See, I'll just be, I'm a transparent, pastor transparency time. If you like to picture me on a pedestal that I never seen and I'd ever do anything wrong, plug your ears. I go day to day a lot of places where there are a lot of people. And sometimes I go to those places because I have to, right? And I just put my head down and I get my job done. I go to Walmart sometimes. And there's a, some of you from Walmart, go to Publix, you snooty people. I'm just kidding. Whatever. We go to Walmart because we save 30 cents or something. All right. But, but we go to Walmart and like I'm there at Walmart. What are you doing when you're at Walmart? You looking for gospel conversations? Oftentimes I'm not. I'm trying to get my bell peppers that I told you about a few weeks ago and I want to go home. Like that's, that's, but. Is that is can I say that I'm in the community because I went to Walmart? If you went to a ball game this weekend and you were involved and you were just watching your kid and you were engaged in that, were you in the community? In one sense, yes, but were you were, were you intentionally in the community? No. Right? We've got to go to these and we've got to find ourselves as a church and as individuals in community events, but with the intentionality to be where people are so that we can engage them in conversation. As we ask the question, where does the community gather? This is what we find. And so as we look at Peter and John, let me ask you a question. Peter and John, why were they going to the temple? Well, in one sense, they were Jews. They were Christians, but they were still Jewish people. And so everybody went to the temple. So in one sense, they were just being obedient to God. They were going to the temple. But based on the interaction that I read to you at the very beginning, as they saw that man sitting there by the gate, do you think they went there with intentionality or just with their head down to get it done? It's obvious that they didn't, right? They weren't just heading to the bell peppers. There's this man who's there by the beautiful gate, and we find out later in the story that he was there every day. As they went to the temple, he was always there. He'd become white noise. He was there all the time. But what we see is Peter and John come up, and they stop and have a conversation with this man, which we'll talk about here in a second. But it's clear that Peter and John were not just checking the boxes. They were not just in and around people without intention. They stop and they ask this man, hey, look right here. Let's have a conversation. That's the difference, church. And so, yes, we as a church are going to engage. We're going to go to things where we're going to ask you to be intentional. It's easy to be intentional when your Lindsay Lane East shirt is on and you're beside all these people and we're all doing it together. But when you go do stuff by yourself this weekend, you're going to this, you're going to that, you're going to these events for your kids or for your neighbors or just whatever to the restaurant. Are you doing it with intentionality? If you find yourself around other people who probably don't know Jesus, is there any intentionality in your, in your engagement? If not, I challenge you in that. That's something I'm challenging myself in. 
as I've already been transparent pastor today. What we see next is not only it's not only just about being intentionally in the community, it's about meeting others' needs. That's what we see. Intentionally in the community, meeting others' needs. So Peter and John, as they're going through the temple courts, they see a crippled man who is begging. Look at it with me, verse 2. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful, so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, Look at us. So we turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. As I said, from the outside, it looks as if Peter and John were just like all the other Jews who were just going to the temple to check the box, to observe the sacrifices, maybe to worship, maybe for a little social interaction because they were bored. Hundreds, probably thousands of people had walked by this crippled man. Maybe some had given him a little bit of change as they continued their conversation, but Peter and John stop and say, look at us. See, what happens is, we see Peter and John heal him, and that becomes the focus of the whole story. You're like, man, that's cool. And like the, the man becomes, but don't forget, don't lose sight. There was something that happened first. All of our attention gets on the healing, but notice first that they didn't treat this guy like everyone else did. They stopped, and they actually said, hey, man, look at us. And they engaged with this man in a way that no one else had. They engaged him as someone with dignity, as an image bearer of God. As a church, we look for similar needs. Yet they met a physical man, a physical need that the man had. He was there for money, but they didn't give him that. They gave him something greater physically. They met a physical need, and again, I'm not. We're not. We're not going around. I'm not asking you to go around and heal people. That's not what I'm asking. But I'm asking you to go around and find people with physical needs and help, and like let's meet them. That's why we partner with the House of Harvest. One of the things I didn't mention to you. That's why we partner with the House of Harvest. One of the needs in our community is hunger and food. We know that. You can deny that. You can pretend as if no people are just they got food. No, they don't. The stats show it. There are kids who are hungry every day. So we decided a long time ago, many years ago, that instead of doing our own food bank here to try to meet those needs, we would get involved in the solution and take part in the House of Harvest. They're one of our official missions partners, our local missions partners on a financial and serving opportunity level. But here's the cool thing about the House of Harvest. People come in there every week. They feed over 100 people every Saturday, give them groceries. But it's more than that. We serve there on the first Saturday of every month. We go and, and we minister there, and we're going to kind of relaunch that. I'll tell you about that here in a second. But we go on the first Saturday of every month, and, and we go and serve there. And, and as I've served there in the past, one of the, if you serve there, you're going to test. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Some people come in there like I go into Walmart with their head down. But it's not down because they're in a hurry. It's down because they're ashamed. It's down for the same reason that this beggar's head was down. None of us like to ask for help. And I can always, anytime you go to House of Harvest, you can always tell when it's somebody's first time. Because they're the person that gets out of their car 
kind of shuffling their feet, avoiding conversations, just trying to get in line. They probably do this a whole lot because they're embarrassed. And one of the things that House of Harvest does so well, it's why we partner with them. We wouldn't just partner with any food bank. We partner with House of Harvest because of the way they do it. Is they're not just in the business of giving, flipping money in a cup, giving them what they need. They're in the business of lifting heads. You see the difference? They're in the business of helping people who are ashamed, who are in difficult spots, helping them feel loved and as what they really are, the image of God. And we get to take part in that. Yes, we provide food, but like it's more than that. We get to lift heads. Every Saturday, um, the need that we have now on Saturdays is about five to seven, six to eight, something like that. I guess I could have just said five to eight. That would have been good to say. There's about that many people. There was a day where we used to send 20 people. The, the, the volunteer base has grown so much at House of Harvest every week that that's what the need is now, about five to seven people. And so you won't ever see me stand up here again and say, we all need to go to House of Harvest. If we all go, we, there's, we'll be in the way. But we're going we're gonna to continue to do that ministry because we believe it's important. And we've also picked up something else I was supposed to tell you about at the end it, or beginning. It was in my notes and I didn't. We've also picked up a Wednesday, the first Wednesday of every month. Now, uh, Terry Nichols, who's heavily involved at House of Harvest, he goes and picks up food from a, uh, the Manor House in Huntsville, drives a trailer load back, him or Shannon, I guess, Shannon Hattie, but they drive a trailer load back to House of Harvest, and we show up on Wednesday, the first Wednesday of every month now, and we unload that, and we stock it all, and we set up the table so that Saturday, when the volunteers show up, everything's ready to go. First Wednesday and the first Saturday. So here's a step, like, this was all supposed to happen at the beginning, and I forgot, okay. So we'll get back to the text in a second. But why? But one of the things we want to do is we want to start. We want to build a team. We want to build a team of people who are passionate about this ministry of lifting heads and providing needs. And so, if you would like to be a part of a team, it's only going to be about twenty to twenty-two something like that people who are our House of Harvest missions team who are going to fill those Saturday roles and fill those Wednesday roles. You'll be in a group text where you'll decide, hey, I can go this week, I can't go this week, and you'll be deciding all that. If you'd like to take part in that ministry on an ongoing basis, you can sign up today at the QR code or at Next Steps to let us know that you'd like to be a part of that team. Trey and Morgan will be reaching out to you to let you know about what that's going to look like. They can tell you times and all that, but it'll be Wednesday before groups or Saturday morning pretty early, uh, 7 to 9 that kind of time frame. So if you're interested in being a part of that, please sign up today. Um, we're uh, we're going to get that rolling, and so we, we, want, we want you to, to sign up and be a part of that. But that's what we do. The, the House of Harvest is this, is this ministry that helps us lift heads because we want to meet physical needs, but we also want to help people know that they are loved. And as part of that is going to be what, what we call a gospel conversation. So that's point number three. Um, the last part of this little statement we're putting together, intentionally in the community. If we're going to be a local church focused on our localness, we've got to be intentionally in the community, meeting others' needs, and having gospel conversations. This is the bow that ties it all together. Peter and John aren't just in their community to socialize. They don't meet others' needs just to be nice. They do all of that, praying that it leads to gospel conversations. Look, Look again at... Peter, Peter and John, just think about this. Peter and John could have walked by and said, hey, bud, 
you're healed, and slapped him on the forehead and walked off. Right? They could have done it. And he would have went, cool, thanks, bud, and ran on. Like they didn't do, they intentionally said something that is probably not going to be on the screen because they didn't tell him to put it up there. But he says in verse something, what is this? One, two, three, four, five, six. Verse six, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. He didn't have to say that. Why? Gospel conversation, leading to the gospel, tying something into Jesus. Then they go, then as you can imagine, a guy who's been at the gate begging, he was running and jumping and acting crazy in the temple. Like he makes a little bit of a scene. And so people are like, hey, I know that guy. He's the guy who used to sit out there and couldn't walk. Now, verse 11, he was holding on to Peter and John. All the people were utterly astonished. They ran toward them, what is, ran toward what is called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he saw the crowd coming. He saw the opportunity. The Spirit of God stirred within him. He addressed the people, fellow Israelites, fellow Jews. Why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us as if we had the power, as if, as if we made him walk by our own power or some level of godliness we had? He says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over. Here's a little gig. He's, he's turning the knife a little bit. You handed him over and denied him before Pilate, though he had already decided to release him, and you denied the holy and righteous one and, and asked to have a murderer released to you. You killed the source of life whom God raised from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. And it is by faith in his name, his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. You see this. Peter and John didn't just do something nice. They took the opportunity to tell people about Jesus. Look, I know you're impressed that this guy's not crippled. Get over that for a minute and let me tell you how it happened. Now here's what I know. Out of all those things, things extra wobbly today. Out of all those things, that we did this year that I told you about at the very beginning and then House of Harvest. Out of all those things, one of the questions that we get almost without exception is why in the world are y'all doing this? Parents of, of, of ball players come to us when we're working the concession stand and go, why in the world are y'all in there sweating and screaming so much? Like, why would you do this? None of us want to do it. <laughs> We go to the house of harvest and people say, man, why would you get up early on a Saturday just to come give me food and have a conversation with me? When we show up at, uh, at Creekside for some of the, th- the two things that we've done there, like their parent liaison, who, who's now a partner of ours at Creekside, she's like, man, thank y'all so much. Like, I don't know why y'all, y'all want to be so involved, but thank you. And so what we have in that moment is an opportunity to speak. Because we can give different answers, right? We could say, hey, man, it just makes us feel so good inside to help other people. And it does. <laughs> but that's a terrible answer. You could say something like, well, honestly, I've been having a bad, like, last week was terrible. I wish you knew about it, but I ain't got time to tell you about all that. I'm trying to get some good karma so I can have a better week this week. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, we can say these weird things that other people might say, or we can say we do this for one reason and one reason only, and that's because Jesus has changed our lives. And as part of that change, he's called us to love our community. So that's why we do the things that you don't want to do. That's why we come and serve you. 
We do these things because Christ has changed us. The firefighters, the teachers, the parents, every time we have served, we get the question and we need to have one answer. Jesus. As you engage your friends and neighbors, as you carry food to a neighbor who had surgery, they said, man, why'd you do that? Why'd you go buy KFC for those of us that can't cook? Why'd you, why did you do, why are you doing this for me? It's not, well, man, I just, I just want to take care of my neighbors so that you keep a watch on my house and make sure I don't have a burglar, right? Like our answer must be Jesus, only Jesus. Notice what happens after Peter and John give this answer. So they've walked through this whole thing. They've been intentionally in the community. Not just in the community, but with intention, looking for opportunities. And then they, they met other people's needs. And then they, 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 they took an opportunity to have a gospel conversation with a large crowd of people. Look what happens. Verse chapter 4. I skipped a little bit of their conversation. You can look back at what Peter said. But chapter 4, verse 1. While they were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple police, and the Sadducees, confronted them. That's a rough group. Because they were annoyed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized them, took them into custody until the next day, until it was already evening. But many of those who heard the message believed and the number of men came to about 5,000. So Peter and John, because they're obedient, find themselves arrested. Now here's the good thing. Before you go, okay, I'm not volunteering for anything here because I can't get arrested. Uh, it hasn't happened yet. Okay, We've done a lot of mission opportunities in our community. No one yet has wound up in chains that I know of in the last three years anyway. But even if we did, we'd do it anyway. But this is, this is the, but I don't want to focus on the, the, because we get lost in that. Well, they were arrested. But listen to the outcome of their obedience. What was the outcome of their obedience? The church was expanded. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, says that many trusted in Jesus, and the total number of converts to this point in Jerusalem was about 5,000 men and their families at this point. Listen, church, as we go into our community with intentionality to meet needs, and we take the opportunities we are given to share Jesus with those we serve not in a creepy, overly crazy way where we say weird churchy things, but just in simple, intentional conversations. I believe the same thing will happen. Peter and John were obedient to be in the community meetings, having the gospel conversations, and God expands the kingdom through their obedience. Now listen, I'm just crazy enough to think that he'll do it through us. And if we'll be obedient to the same task, he'll do the same thing in us. The same result. Not the actual number, just the growth. We believe we'll see people's lives change because of our willingness to be involved in our community. I'm not expecting 5,000 people, 5,000 men and their families. That's not the goal, okay? The goal is to be intentionally in our community, meeting others' needs, and having gospel conversations. This is why we have local missions partners. It's why we do so many things in our community. If you think, man, our schedule gets really busy at certain times, yes. And God may change our heart towards that. But next year, we want to continue to do the things that God has given us opportunity to do. God has given us favor, favor 
with certain organizations and, and certain schools and certain communities. We want to continue to take that opportunity. But you got to take this on personally too, right? Because as I share all that stuff and I share that we somewhere like 3,500 people we engaged with, with uh, conversations this year, like you go, hey, that's, I'm part of that. Well, yes, you are. Like as part of Lindsay Lane, especially especially those of you who are willing to give towards our Give to Go mission offering last year, like you helped fund so much of the things that we've done this year. And the money that you'll give on the 23rd, we're doing Give to Go again on the 23rd. The money that you give there will help fuel what we do next year. But God's called you to be more than just a pocketbook. He's called you to be more than just sitting here today and claiming those 3,500 as part of it. Yes, you were part of it. But God's called you daily to live out the things we just talked about. Like, don't wait for us to plan something for you to reach your community. Don't plan for us. Don't wait for us to put something on the schedule so you can go serve. You going to the places that you already go with intentionality, meeting others' needs, having gospel conversations, you don't have to wait on us. And the ministry of Lindsay Lane East continues through your obedience. Now, here's I don't I have no idea what 2023 holds. Half of those things we did this year, we may not get an opportunity to do this year. Or twice the amount of things we did last year, we may get an opportunity to do this year. And we're going to be wise and do our best to choose the ones that where we can have the greatest impact. But we do want you to take part in that. We want you to pray about engaging with us in local missions this coming year. I want you to pray for us. Pray for our, our partnerships with Creekside and with Harvest. Pray for our House of Harvest uh, uh, partnership. That God would, God would uh, continue to strengthen those relationships and pray about participating with us in those mission opportunities. But more than any of that, pray that God would use you in your circle of influence this week and the days to come, and especially in 2023 as we ask God to do something big that only he can get credit for. Amen? Amen. Just as Peter and John met a physical need, they also didn't just meet that guy's physical need. They met a spiritual need. And I'm going to tell you, if that guy didn't trust in Jesus, I don't know who would. Amen. <laughs> they said, stand up in, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He takes him by the arm and he's dancing and singing all the way into the temple. That's a heart that's been changed. It's obvious from this story that that man met Jesus that day. Here's what I want you to know. I'm not saying you're going to come in next week dancing and singing. You can. But you can meet Jesus today too. I don't know what needs you came in here to try to meet today. I don't know why you decided to come to church today. But we have a Jesus who stands ready for his blood to be applied to your life and for you to trust in his name today. We're going to sing one more song. Patrick's going to come up and lead it. I'm going to be back at the back um, beside the sound booth. If you need to come talk with me about anything that's going on in your life, you need to pray, but if, especially if you need to trust in Jesus, please come to me. Talk to me. Um, the altar will be open up here. You can come pray for needs in your life. You can come pray and ask God to get your life focused on living intentionally in your life. But whatever, let's just sing this last song um, as, a, as, a, as a form of worship to him, and then we'll come up at the end and just give you some announcements, some things coming up, okay? But I'm going to pray. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity, God, just uh, for 2022 and got all the things that you did. God, it was just crazy uh, to think back on. As I was writing all this out of my notes, I was just blown away at all that you used us to do. And God, all uh, of those 3,500, God, yes, there, there weren't a lot of salvations. There weren't a lot of 
of of obvious transformation that we saw happen. But God, that's 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 you. That's what you do, God. We can't. It's just we're just called to be obedient. And so, God, help us this next year, God, to do the same thing. God, to be engaged in local missions. That we would take on not just the name local church because we got a building here, but because we love our community. God, help us to do that. And God, not just me as a pastor or us as a staff or Trey and Morgan as missions coordinators, but God, that our whole church would love our community. We would engage in every opportunity we can. God, help us as a church to love people more effectively and in, 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 in a big way this year. Father, I pray that you'd uh, bless our offering that's coming up on the 23rd, our gift to go offering, God, that's going to fuel a lot of the things that you lead us to do. So God, help us um, in the days to come. God, be with this time of worship as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, let's stand.